Grace to you in peace and welcome. You're listening to Second on the Mount, a podcast of sermons from Second Presbyterian Church in beautiful Roanoke, Virginia. My name is Ben Brannan, Associate Pastor for Youth and Young Adults. And each week it is our hope that from the pulpit, God will twist and mold our words to land upon the listener's ears in a meaningful way that will inspire faith, encourage hope, and cultivate love in action. Thanks for tuning in. We're so glad you're here with us. Please subscribe and share, and I pray that through our words, you may grow closer to God. Would you join me in prayer? Grant that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. And as we hear your word, may something of your grace, mercy, justice, and transformation be felt. Amen. Our scripture passage for today comes from the book of Jeremiah, the 31st chapter, verses 31 through 34. This is a prophetic word to peoples in exile. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to one another, Know the Lord, for they shall know me. From the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In his homiletical perspective essay on this passage, Dr. W. Hewlett Glower begins with this. Into the darkest night of the life of Israel and Judah comes the brightest light. Ripped from their holy homeland, forbidden access to their sacred temple by both physical location and its destruction, they surely thought their God had abandoned them, or worse still, had been defeated. Into that anguish, came Jeremiah's letter instructing them to put down roots in Babylon, to build houses and set up shops, seek the welfare of Babylon, and pray for their captors. God's people conquered, captured, sent away. Now in a foreign land, they are called to settle in, to set up shop, to be and live, stuck in Babylon and told to carry on. Where is the good news? Where is the promise for a better tomorrow? Where is the promise for a brighter tomorrow to provide hope for the darkness of their current day? And then Glower continues, it is a familiar pattern in history. Dark times come. In personal and corporate lives, there seems to be little, if any, hope. Then into the darkness, a voice speaks out. A voice speaks with news as unforeseen as was the news that sent us into the darkness. The voice of hope suggests that there is light. 
no matter how deep our darkness may seem. Into the darkness, God is speaking. From the darkness, the light of hope glimmers, if only we see it faintly, but it still forces us to seek it out and respond. And so into the darkness of exile and the darkness of generational trauma, generational blame that made the people point fingers saying, the parents have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. Into this generational trauma, into this generational darkness, Jeremiah lights a candle of hope, a bright light that will roll back the exile's darkness. The time is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with both the house of Israel and Judah. This new covenant will not be like the one of old, the one I made with the generations before you when I took them by the hand and brought them out of Egypt, a covenant that they broke. They broke that covenant even though I was their husband, one who loved them and cared for them deeply. But this covenant, this new covenant, I will write it on their hearts and they will know me intimately. I will be their God and they will be my people. We will belong to each other. They will all know me from the least to the greatest, and we all will know each other deeply. Forgiveness will be theirs. I will give them peace from their sin. God's words here from the mouth of Jeremiah assures the people that God has not abandoned them in spite of their disobedience. This is unbelievable good news. No longer is their guilt to remain a burden they must carry. God removes the heavy burden in this new covenant, a covenant of healing, a covenant of restoration. Because our God is a God of relationship. And God seeks to restore relationship with God's people. From darkness and hopelessness, God brings a light of hope. And the hope Jeremiah envisioned includes both a physical restoration and a spiritual one. Going beyond anything the community could have ever imagined, this restoration would be a healing of the relationship between God and the entire people. To include everyone, a collective yet personal restoration from the least to the greatest. A restoration that would bring about transformation. And as familiar as a pattern as this is in history, this story pattern is also familiar in pop culture and in movies, and in particular, Disney movies. Have you seen Encanto yet? A few hands, a few nods. Well, if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. And someone told me in the earlier service, you should have given a spoiler alert before you preach. So here's a spoiler alert. But if you haven't seen it, I do recommend it. It's not a Disney movie that has at its center a romantic love story because much of Disney's new work does not. They tend to address deeper themes and heavier aspects of life. Encanto is a wonderful story of family, a story of the blessings and curses a family brings, but a great story of restoration and transformation. 
And in it, there is a major theme of generational trauma and its effect on family and how that can be restored. So I'd like to share some Encanto with you this morning. Encanto is the story of the family Madrigal, and the origin of their story is a terrible trauma. It begins with young Pedro and Alma. They meet, fall in love, and start a family welcoming triplets into the world. But a revolution forces them to leave their home and seek refuge in the surrounding hills of Colombia. During their escape, they cross a river, and as armed forces are bearing down on them, Pedro sacrifices himself to save his wife, Alma, and their three children. That traumatic event defines the rest of Alma's life. Following Pedro's sacrifice, the candle Alma is carrying to make her way through the forest becomes magical and protects the family in a hidden and magical valley named Encanto meaning enchanted. The magic provides the three children with magical gifts. Years go by, a village grows, and the magic pours from their house, Casita. Alma's children have children, and each child in the family Madrigal is gifted a superhuman power, a gift. All but one, Maribel. As the story continues, the magic begins to fade, and Uncle Bruno, who we don't talk about, no, no, no. Uncle Bruno was given a gift of prophecy. He foretells a future when the family could lose the magic, and his vision places Mary Bell at the center of this potential loss. And hearing of this vision, Abuela Alma, Grandma Elma, does all she can to hold on to the magic she once knew and hold on to her family. A family that we begin to see throughout the movie is not, in fact, all that whole. Abuela Alma says at a family party, everything is fine, the magic is strong, and the drinks are too. But the magic does fade. Their superhuman gifts weaken and their house casita eventually cracks and falls to the ground. The story of Encanto is the story of a daughter and granddaughter whose journey takes her into a deeper relationship with her family, especially the broken ones. And this narrative arc models a countercultural belief in the possibility of real forgiveness and transformational reconciliation, even in the face of serious loss and wrongdoing. Transformation is what the story of Encanto points to. On that same riverbank that Abuela Alma lost Pedro and the magic was first gifted, the gift of reconciliation is found. When Abuela and Maribel meet there once more, Abuela Alma apologizes to Maribel, saying, I was given a miracle, a second chance, and I was afraid to lose it. And I lost sight of who the miracle was for. Seeing her grandmother in a new light, Maribel, with empathy born from understanding her grandmother's suffering, offers her own apology. And as all that is unfolding, in the background, there's a Spanish song that is playing. And even if you can't speak Spanish, I bet you tears fall down from your face as it did mine. The song is called Dos Origatos, Two Caterpillars. 
And the song tells of the family love story of Alma and Pedro. Cocooned and waiting, the song speaks to the caterpillar's fear of change in a world that is constantly changing and a change that they too must experience. And as the song goes on, the scene jumps back to Abuela Alma and Mary Bell there on the riverbank, and the chorus changes. Ah, mariposas, butterflies. Transformation is upon them. Relationship has now deepened. Ah, mariposas, don't you hold on too tight. Both of you know it's your time to go, to fly apart, to reunite. Wanders surround you. Just let the walls come down. Don't look behind you. Fly till you find your way toward tomorrow. Abuela Alma and Mary Bell and the entire Madrigal family's relationship with their magic, with the gifts they've been given, and with the one another has been transformed. They have become a closer family, showing each other weakness in their strength and strength in their weakness. Really becoming who they are, their true and authentic selves. They know one another on a deeper level. Their relationship has been transformed. In the face of constant wrongdoing and generational disobedience that pushed Israel and Judah further from God and God further from them in their mind, the remarkable gift of forgiveness and reconciliation was waiting. God's amazing grace was waiting there calling them back to their homes as a transformed community. God initiates this transformation. I will make a new covenant. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God. The promises here are a witness to God's never-ending love and grace, and the promise is fulfilled when God's promised word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen the glory, the glory as of a father's only son full of grace and truth. This promise went into the depths of darkness, the darkness of death, and transformed the world. It is Jesus who embodied this new covenant as he took bread and broke it, as he took the cup and poured it out, saying, this cup is the new covenant, sealed in my blood, poured out for the forgiveness of sin. God has gifted the miracle of life and promised new life in Christ. And this promise is for us all. This promise is for you. This promise is for me. This promise is for the work and witness of this church together as a transformed community. And in the final scene of Encanto, the family and village join in rebuilding their house casita. And the song that plays points to the gifted miracle, which is not any superhuman power or superhuman gift but to the gift itself, which is each one of them. The miracle is you. Not some gift, just you. All of you. Today is Commitment Sunday. When we offer our gifts to the church, a financial pledge, a new covenant for the coming year. 
The work of God is transformation. The work and ministry of Jesus Christ is transformation. The Spirit is alive in and through us to continue the work of transformation in this world. I have witnessed transformation here in this church. In the short time I've been here, I've witnessed transformation here in this sanctuary during vacation Bible school, in the classrooms during men's Bible study, youth group across the street at the intersection, kids fellowship in the playground, in preschool and in Sunday school. I have witnessed transformation in the hearts of people welcomed by this church through family promise, through the work of the Presbyterian Community Center, through Ram House, through Habitat for Humanity. I have witnessed transformation in our young people, in the youth and young adults as they travel to San Juan de la Maguana, at Montreat Youth Conference, and at the church-wide Trent Getaway. And I know you have your own stories of transformation as well. Through your pledge and commitment, or through your ongoing discernment, you join in the transformational work and ministry of this church. And during the last hymn, we will offer our promised gifts and gratitude for God's grace. And beloved, as you come forward or as you continue to consider what gifts you have to offer, remember this, God loves you. God has forgiven you. And in Jesus Christ, life is restored. We have been transformed by the gift of God's grace and God seeks to be in relationship with you. Know that your financial gift is not the miracle. The miracle and the gift is you. You are the gift. Each and every one of you. For the new covenant is written on your heart, claiming you as a beloved child of God in this generation and for eternity. To God be the glory. Amen. Second Presbyterian, finding direction by following Jesus.